0: Hello and welcome to episode 170 of the 1099 for the week of October 15th, 2018. I'm your host, Josiah Renaudin, and with me today is a game developer who's worked on projects like What Remains of Edith Finch, The Unfinished Swan, Room of 1000 Snakes, Sonic Dreams <laughs> Collection, and the recently released and wildly popular Donut County, Ben Esposito. Ben, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on here. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was one that uh, I was actually visiting on Aperna um, right before Donut County came out, and I was seeing it on like TVs or something there, and like this, <laughs> I need to play this thing. It's, it's very strange in a way that I'm totally down with. And before we actually get into anything else, um, about a week or two ago, I had uh, Jeff Bacalar from CNET on the show. We were doing a top ten list, and at the very end, I was mentioning that you were going to be on soon, and he stopped me in my tracks and said, "Okay, you don't have to mention this, but if you can, please tell Ben this." Uh his son who's in preschool donut Mm. county is the first game that he's ever gotten into no Um, way and he told this incredible story about uh every time he comes home from preschool he's like dad we need to play the donut game and at this point they've played (gasps) it all the way through i think it was like between six and ten times and (laughs) it's something that he almost got emotional talking about because you know he's someone whose career is about games and here's his son the first thing that he's actually attached to and he gets and it's I think it's a lot about accessibility so I say all that to ask this when you were creating this weird fun donut themed video game was accessibility <laughs> high on your list of things to get right being able to show someone this game and then immediately have the oh I just want to try that even if they're a preschooler was
1: that any goal of yours yeah it's actually really funny because uh, they were really the target audience because my intended audience for this game was like parents to play with their kids like tech savvy parents who want to play like a cool safe and fun and interesting game with their kids and so a lot of the design of the game revolves around making it accessible for new players but also being interesting for seasoned game players so that's like really awesome to hear that they had a great time.
0: Is that one of the hardest balances to strike? Because th- usually you see games where it's like Dark Souls, where I am <laughs> this is for a very specific type of person, or if you get the casual game, it's very much eh, mostly casual people are into this. Were you struggling a lot as you're making this game for making sure, OK, we don't want these puzzles being too crazy and complex because then we'll lose this half of the audience. But if it's too simplistic, this other will leave. Was that just a balancing act throughout the entire development cycle?
1: It was really not easy it's um i think the hardest part is that you have to make trade-offs all the time and so i think i ended up trading off complexity for that um for accessibility and so like one of the rules i had in developing it was like you can't have more than one button so the game can be played with you know just a mouse or it can be played with just you know tapping and dragging um and like Console version, you know, has a pause button, (laughs) but uh, there's only ever one real button that you press. Um, And then same with the puzzles was like, I want puzzles that you can't just stumble your way through them, but it doesn't take more than a few steps for you to walk through uh, the solution. And also the solutions are supposed to feel pretty intuitive based on just the meaning of the objects in front of you. They're not like abstract puzzles at all so those were like the things i was thinking about going into it but it was hard to stick to those things because there's so many times when i was like ah i could add this really cool puzzle but i need you to be able to do this one other thing that kind of breaks the rules so it was hard to not there was a lot of things i could have done that i ended up not doing and those were the trade-offs that i had to make puzzle design is something that fascinates me i haven't had to work
0: on it in terms of my development career yet but i was act- i was playing a game last night that i won't mention because i don't want to call out um and i was mm-hmm. talking to my roommate about some of the puzzle design that was going on and we had kind of come to this conclusion that a puzzle is not fun if you suddenly the light bulb goes off and you realize the solution but then you have to go through like seven steps to actually get through <laughs> that thought process of as soon as i know what i'm supposed to do i should be able to kind of just do it and not spend 15 minutes putting the pieces in the right spot so that this works together <laughs> was there a version or ever a time with donut county where you almost had a hard mode where maybe god forbid there are two buttons you're grappling with and suddenly <laughs> there's a lot more to deal with or just did you fully go in on this needs to be one button accessible
1: well I actually there were a lot of experiments early on where i had so there's in the, in the game there's a mechanic where you can launch objects back out of the hole and uh I had a lot more experiments with puzzles that were about like launching objects to hit certain things. Or like there's a thing where you can move the hole and launch something to get it to launch at an angle. And so there's like you could shoot a basketball into a hoop or whatever with this. Yeah. And the those things totally had the problem you were describing, which is that like the solution is obvious, but getting like one I think in a puzzle like once you know the solution and then there's like a timer that starts going off in your head where it's like okay well if I can't execute this I'm gonna get more and more frustrated until the timer runs out and then I'm gonna quit that always happens to me and so I was like (laughs) I can't like really expect people who were kind of brought in by the accessible controls and who were brought in by the cute visuals I can't also expect them to like want to figure out how to Whip the hole across the screen and launch the thing (laughs) so that you can get this like weird basketball into a hoop like because also like depth perception is so difficult in this game uh, because there's like not even any lighting. There's like some shadows, but it's a that was really a challenge, too. So I ended up doing a lot to try to mitigate that. And (laughs) I think the biggest thing was just never asking you to do anything complicated in the air because that just never worked.
0: I don't know. I feel like you just created the next Rocket League where you're using a <laughs> hole and launching a basketball. I was, again, talking about this with someone where we were discussing what would you want the next Rocket League to be and not mm-hmm. a, oh, let's make a, you know, th- these small cars with another ball. It's more what is the the game that's going to come out and take the concepts of a core sport and then flip them on their head and do something. And I'm I just see. saying if someone wants to mod <laughs> Donut County and make it a basketball game where you're it's two V two holes. And you're launching basketballs up through it and you need to use depth perception and physics that way. No one steal this idea. (laughs) I I think it might really work. And you did mention before the idea of wanting, you know, maybe a father, a son, mother, daughter to be able to play this game together. Did you bring in families like that to play test that? Was that something specifically targeted?
1: Yeah, we definitely got people's kids to play test the game, (laughs) like friends and stuff. Uh, I don't personally have a kid, but... There were a lot of people at Annapurna who would give regular updates about like how their kids were enjoying the game and what they cared about and what they got stuck on. And so we ended up making certain tweaks to help kids that don't read yet um, to help them through some of the puzzles. Because like some of them kind of had, well, there's like t- like one or two tutorial pieces of text that kids would get stuck on, like tapping the screen to launch something. Um, We added, you know, like an icon to help them see that they're supposed to tap there, et cetera, et cetera. But then, you know, lowering the complexity of some of the puzzle, some of the execution of the puzzles. Like um, there's a level where you have to make soup in the hole and fill it up with broth. And then you have to be dodging these cockroaches that are chasing after the hole. That part was genuinely hard. I actually, (laughs) that was the first time where I'm like, oh man, okay, here's the difficulty spike. Uh, So imagine that, but like four times harder no I I do not I refuse that's what it used to be like so this was like as easy as I could make it without feeling like it was nothing at all
0: yeah that was the one moment where I was like man Donut County just hates me right now like this is actually like a struggle to get this done in a good way it wasn't like a wild swing or anything like that have you ever considered doing any sort of education type game you talked before about bringing people in and uh making like a hey even if your kid doesn't read they'll be able to explore this Mm -hmm. game and my weirdest example that makes no sense but bear with me is that when i was younger i was homeschooled for a stretch and i was also me and my siblings were obsessed with games and my parents were smart enough maybe is the term to just be like (laughs) okay what's what's the way that we can blend this and we (laughs) bought uh ocarina of time Hmm. and um that first village where you are reading all these tutorials, you're learning about Z-targeting. We Uh couldn't progress until we could read those certain text bubbles out loud. So we were reading all of these different dialogue interactions. Yeah, I had a weird childhood. And uh, (laughs) that is a big part of how I learned to read when I was younger and how I learned to comprehend stuff like that. And maybe I have like some bad flashbacks now every time I'm in that initial village where I'm like, oh, God, am I getting taught or am I playing a video game? (laughs) But have you considered now that you have gone through this development cycle that is targeting a younger audience in other ways? Have you thought about other ways you can
1: bring younger audiences in and maybe even teach them along the way? That's not—I mean, that's not really something I had considered um, in terms of like teaching them a broader concept than just like what it means to play the game itself. Um, it's something I'm definitely interested in because I can tell that a lot of the techniques of game design um, are really Mostly just techniques for teaching. Like most, even like level design is really about teaching people how to uh, engage with a system. So, like, I feel like there's tons of crossover there. Um, but I just don't, I'm not really up on like the intersection of games and education and like how to get those tech, how to use those techniques of game design and like tutorialization of stuff and even like motivation. I don't know where that crosses over with actual like subjects outside of video games because I'm just such a I just love video games so much that like the internal logic of them is like really interesting and engaging to me. So I'm just like, that's what I end up spending all my time on but uh just make a sequel to math blaster can you get the math blaster license that's oh what i really want to actually play
0: that game speaking of homeschool games boy was that was, was that a, a keystone experience that was on the docket yeah like if if we're talking about games that shaped my life maybe math blaster is actually higher up than i would ever care to admit uh since the games come out you went on vacation you've been i'm guessing doing less work since the entire development <laughs> i mean you've been doing press even you're doing this interview right now but how different does it feel, you know, knowing that the game is released and you're finally done thinking about donuts and donut holes and <laughs> and millennial language and, and that sort of texting <laughs> in the game? After, I mean, I think it was around five years we've been working
1: on this. Does this feel almost Ooh. foreign? I feel like it's starting to catch up to me. It's starting to dawn on me. Like it's been too long it's the game has occupied a space in my mind for so long, which is just like, Oh, the thing I'm supposed to be doing now is working on donut County. Anytime I would have fun and I would have, I would be relaxing. There'd be this like really small voice that just gets louder and louder. That's like, Hey, you should be working on donut (laughs) County. And I'm just like, Oh, and I just like wake up and I'm like, uh Oh, I guess I have to get to work. And now that's like, mostly wrapped up and uh it's i'm it's not easy to adjust to i'm I'm, i've been trying really almost
0: feel like a breakup
1: like where (laughs) it's just
0: something that was in your life and suddenly is gone and you can't really go back to it
1: it's interesting yeah it's like i guess the thing that would be different maybe is that i don't want to go back to it at all okay (laughs) i have no desire to go back to kind of like the digging in the trenches type of work that I ended up—that uh, was like so difficult. It was a healthy
0: to do. breakup.
1: Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I guess if you were to run with that metaphor, it it's not, <laughs> was not a great relationship. <laughs> Full speed, yeah. <laughs> not necessarily a healthy relationship. Um, like I, I've said before, I just—it's not easy for me to recommend someone else pursuing a project of that scale by themselves. Uh, not that I did a great job of doing it. I think I, I'm. I say this because it was very challenging and very risky. And I did end up finishing it and maintaining my health and sanity. But it was a little touch and go there for a bit. Could you have ever even imagined at the start
0: of this that would have been? It would have been as hard as it was because no one really. If you have a really great idea and you get excited about it, and like you said, you you love games, you love making games, you don't really think about how difficult that might be. Did it? Has this experience one made you more wary about starting a new project by yourself, <laughs> and two, maybe also have you been talking to other? This is my other weird analogy I'm going to do. You know, how when people have kids and they immediately when they tell their friends, like it's way harder than we think. It is. <laughs> like, you have no idea until you actually do. <laughs> Have you told other indie developers, like, just get a smaller team. Don't do everything. It's terrifying.
1: (laughs) Well, I think, I think the problem with that, and I'm sure it's the same way with when you have kids is like, you cannot tell somebody how difficult something is. Yeah. You can't actually communicate it in words because I've, I've, I've imagined, you know, a situation where I could go back and tell myself anything, uh, at the beginning of the project, And if I told myself it would be really hard and it would take five years to finish this game and it would be just a real slog, I wouldn't have believed it. I'd be like, ah, come on, I can do this in a year. That's not like even if I showed myself the game, I'd be like, oh, that that's not a big deal. I could like make all those levels and all that art. And so, like, I think the only real way to learn is to go through the punishment, (laughs) basically. Like, I think uh, there's definitely a difference in talking to indies who are new and indies who have shipped some stuff and have ended up in a rabbit hole type situation like me, because they have what I what I refer to as the fear, which Mm. is something that you only get when you're halfway into a project and you wonder if you've uh, you're in the sunk cost fallacy zone and you're like uh is it even worth it to finish this thing i have like at least double the amount of time to go to finish this project and like is it good i don't know it's not good it's not a game yet and like that's the fear and when you have it i think it probably changes the types of projects you work on and it's definitely going to change the types of projects i do going forward the dumbest question i'm going to
0: ask you uh is why did it take five years and i think uh a lot of people who are outside of game development, we've learned it's totally fine if you don't know how games are made. But if you look at Twitter, there's a lot of people who assume games are made a certain way. Like I don't know, Spider-Man puddles, and they're <laughs> like, "Why is this? Why are these puddles <laughs> a different size?" And there's just a lot of assumptions being made, which is it, the angry part is not good. The actually not knowing is totally mm-hmm. fine because it is. Oh, if you've never done it, it's hard to understand. So I mean, looking at this five years, and like you said, if you if you were not the developer of this game and you saw it you'd be like oh that's that's like maybe like a one or a two year thing why did five become the number
1: well i think one of the challenges with trying to figure out how long a game would have taken or could have taken is that if you see the finished product that of course it could take one year to recreate donut county if you have donut county as a map right Mm. because you know exactly what to do and so I think one thing that's invisible to people who either don't make games or just haven't really put their themselves through the thought exercise is that like everything you see in a video game has like multiple dimensions to it in terms of how long it took to get to that point, right? So there's like not only the labor involved in making a character model, but it's also deciding that there should be a character at all and then it's like deciding what the design of the character is and deciding how many pockets they should have and deciding like oh it shouldn't be this animal it should be that animal and so there's like a depth to those things that you have to multiply the time by but you can't really tell what would have taken a long time to arrive at because sometimes the really difficult design ideas or artistic ideas like are so simple that you don't think about them when you look at it And so I would probably still be fooled looking at Donut County being like, oh, that's so simple. But it's like, I know for a fact that I redid the menu three different times because I wanted it to be good. And I ended up writing my own menu system because it couldn't do what, because the Unity system couldn't do what I wanted it to do. And like, I redid the story four times and I like remade a bunch of the characters a bunch of times. And so like this kind of like extra depth to it multiplies the amount of time involved by like a really significant amount so part of it is like yeah i ended up like there was so much labor involved in making this game that i did most of myself but also yeah it's like i wanted it to be good and the longer i did it the more i realized like oh i have to redo things to make it better and so that's like where that multiplication of time came from at what point maybe even what year if you can remember
0: did the concept for donut county stop being a oh that's a funny thing to actually becoming a game that you want to devote your time money and energy to because you look at some of i don't consider donut county a joke game by any extent but like when you first hear about it you see it you're like oh that's a really funny cool original thing but then something like and this is not shade again like goat simulator where when people see that and they hear about it they're like oh that's kind of a joke but it's also fun you're in a different class but at what point was it like all right this idea this whole this you you playing as a whole you mentioned do you even have a player character type of thing
1: when did this become Mm -hmm. something that you thought would actually be a real video game so maybe surprisingly it was actually really early on it was i at the very outset this was in 2013 when i like started working on it in earnest it was supposed to be super super small it was supposed to be you know 10 to 15 levels that got a little more complex but there was no story and there were no characters and everything was wacky and had no internal consistency and it was supposed to take me a year and it was probably like halfway through the first year of 2013 that I had that feeling that I probably most indie developers have or most game developers in general have which is like well if I'm making this thing why don't I like actually make it why don't I actually do a good job? <laughs> why don't I like, why don't I an- answer the question of like, why? Yeah. Right. Which is like, seems maybe is a silly thing to ask for a video game, but it's something I always ask myself is like, well, if I'm making a game about a hole, what does that even mean? Why is that important? And maybe I shouldn't have answered that because I could have finished it a lot faster if I didn't ever ask that annoying question. Um, Because like, I think there is a value to a game where the joke is that you made the game at all. Like Goat Simulator is a good example. Goat Simulator is a good example of that. Where like the joke is that it exists at all and it's actually a whole game that you can play. Because the real game is like in your mind when you hear of Goat Simulator. But they executed it and it's an actual game. And so you're like, oh, wow, that's really funny. I guess maybe I'll buy that. Um, I I, like overthought it, I think. (laughs)
0: I don't think over. I don't think that's overthinking. I think that's actually correctly thinking of it. And (laughs) the, the parallel I would like draw to that is, I've had a lot of you know game critics on this podcast. I used to do the exact same thing for Gamespot, and I think one of the things that a lot of them say, a lot of the ones who I really appreciate, is they don't just kind of take games at face value and say like, okay, well, this person was trying to do this. Were they successful? They go more to the core of why this design decision or. This is that this was the developer's intended goal with this game. Does that goal have value? Not did they achieve it? And I think mm. that's kind of where your mindset was with Donut County, where it's not just like I'm going to make a whole game. It's like, do we need a whole game? Like, why, <laughs> why a whole game it might have actually been in like the pitch deck for this, and then the right. next slide explains why whole games are very important. And your <laughs> game actually fills a very specific type of genre and the only game i can really compare it to because a lot of people say like oh it's it's katamari and i get that to a certain extent just in terms of maybe the idea of gathering more things becoming bigger bigger but it's actually hohokam is a closer parallel for me mm. because it's this sort of cathartic it, this the genre should be chill ass game um <laughs> that you can kind of just you mentioned before the, you're targeting one button you're targeting a younger audience so the complexity can't be there and it's kind of just you're just chilling and playing it and just absorbing it you're not worried about the speed of it you're not worried about completing this puzzle and suddenly you're on this leaderboard and you're like oh yes i am the fastest donut county player of all time (laughs) there's this kind of a i'm going to solve these screens at my pace i'm going to enjoy what this game is saying to me i'm going to enjoy everything around it was there part of you you mentioned before the simplicity also just a i'm going to make a game that's kind of a I've had a long day at work. I'm just going to control this hole and put stuff in it.
1: That was totally the idea from the beginning. Like I, the beginning, like the initial pitch says like, I'm going to have puzzles and there's no fail state at all. You're never going to yeah. be able to fail this game. And maybe that was, I don't know if I should have kept that assumption for as long as I did, but I think it, I, I do think it paid off because. So you I think uh, I'm very flattered that you compared it to uh, HoHokum because I think <laughs> that game's really awesome. And uh, but like in terms of like the Katamari comparison, like that was maybe there a little bit at the beginning in terms of like collecting things. And by the beginning, I mean like that was, you know, the game jam version of this game. It was yeah. like, "Oh yeah, it might be like Katamari." And then after that, I did not set out to make it similar to Katamari in any way. And I feel like people like really compare it to that game and maybe think that it fails a little bit for not delivering on it, but I was not trying at all to make it like that game because <laughs> I love Katamari so much and I think it's so interesting and cool. And you know, part of the reason it's a game is because it has a timer. Uh mm-hmm. but the timer is also like very infuriating in a lot of cases. So I didn't think I needed to re visit that feeling because that feeling already exists and there's lots of katamari games and they're all really awesome and i wanted to explore that yeah way more chilled out way more relaxed and like yeah way more kind of like story and world friendly concept for a video game Uh, you know it's funny i
0: actually just being honest you mentioned before that people were saying it's kind of like katamari and maybe their expectations were shifted when they played it and so much of what i heard was the same thing so when i started it and i realized how chill it was compared to that. It was almost this dissonance at the start where I'm like, wait, Mm -hmm. where's the, where's that extra layer of Katamari complexity? And then you just kind of in a good way say, oh no, wait, this is a different thing. Like get your brain out of that space, get it in the space of, again, the ho hokum thing is what stood out to me. So other than Katamari Was there a game that, like, do you ever get upset when you get compared to certain things because people (laughs) might set weird expectations? Is there kind of a, here's the game that was the most flattering to be compared to, and here was the one that was like, Hmm. yeah, you do not get it?
1: I think it's interesting because there's so few games that people are able to readily compare it to. So I don't think I've really gotten anything more than Katamari because it's like not only is it the collection thing but it's also like it's a cute game and uh that is I think that Katamari comparison covers both ends of your question where it's like on the one hand that's extremely flattering and really awesome but on the other hand I'm not trying to make that at all and I think you're wrong if you expect this game to be Katamari uh so yeah I don't know like I haven't gotten many comparisons to anything else. Yeah, I guess there's not a lot of donut themed games. Like this is kind of its own thing.
0: You mentioned before that there's so many different iterations of what this is. And that's half the fun. I think if you're looking back at your development, be like, man, remember when it was like this? Remember when Mm -hmm. this was actually about uh, like croissants the entire time? It was an entirely different thing. Was there ever a time when Donut County was more of an open world structure where the final game is more screen to screen. It's scene to scene. It's here's these items you can readily see and it'll expand a little bit. And suddenly you're like, oh shit, I can get the entire barn in here after I eat this tree or this stump or anything like that. But was there ever a time where, again, referencing Katamari, there's maybe more of an open space where you can explore mm-hmm. the world and keep expanding in that way?
1: Not really, actually. the mm. I think the reason for that is because really early on, I decided that it was not fun to have the camera move around. I because <laughs> so there's a game that's uh very similar to my game on iOS <laughs> called hole.io um, uh-huh. that did not have this assumption, and I think it's a little bit worse off for it, which is that like, yeah, the camera follows around the hole on the screen. So moving it, you're not actually like one to one moving your finger in the hole, you're driving the hole and the, when it reaches the edge of the screen, the camera follows it. So like moving around and wiggling stuff in never feels quite right. And that was why I decided really early on, like the camera can't move around because I can't get the level of granularity and the kind of like interesting physics interactions you can get when the camera's fully focused and every little bit, every move of your finger or of the control stick, Actually maps to the position of the hole, and so that kind of dictated the types of levels I could build. Uh, but also, you know, it, it was a nice constraint for me personally because uh, the worlds that I was building could be way more focused, and I could build out the, I could build out scenes that had an art to the way they were framed, and I could yeah. tell a story with the things that you were seeing and so that kind of became more important to me than being able to explore so i never really pursued that in a serious way although the game did used to be more open-ended in terms of like what levels you could play in what order i ended up changing that to be linear kind of later in the development of the game
0: let's briefly and not to promote it but let's let's quickly talk about hole.io because that (laughs) has to be one of the strangest things for you because, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, I think it's really important for indie developers to share GIFs of what they're doing on Twitter because it builds excitement. I talked to the Sable developers on the show and they have some of the best GIFs you could ever see about their (laughs) indie game. Um, For people who don't know, so again, someone released something that was just Donut County, but it was on iOS and completely jacked your concept. (laughs) Were you able to get that taken down? Did you get in contact with the person? I don't want to revisit it too much because whatever is in the past, but what was that like and how
1: can indies protect their work in this way i don't have an answer for that honestly so like patent donuts is that, <laughs> is that something you could do you can't patent being a whole. you can't okay like, you can't trademark a mechanic um and i think so okay well just to like walk it back for a second the story is that i was just i had been working on this game since 2012 and it was public knowledge and then a few months before my game came out, this was after I think we announced the date potentially, or maybe we had just shown it at PSX or something. But shortly after that, there was a, a free to play mobile game that looked a little bit similar to my game and con- involved <laughs> a hole in the ground that when you put stuff in, it gets bigger. Um, so uh, it's I find it really hard to imagine the person who made this did not know about my game uh, because it's, I don't think making a game about a hole in the ground is like the most efficient and and simple <laughs> idea. <laughs> um, it's a really roundabout concept. So um, anyway, I was like really shocked by it because it was a surprise to me. And people emailed me and said, hey, I saw this Instagram ad this looks a lot like your game. And I looked at it and I was like, whoa, this is my game. This is totally my
0: game. <laughs> it's always the Instagram ads. It's always those Instagram ads that are like, who would ever like this game is obviously a knockoff of like Pokemon. It literally has a Charmander in it. And it's just called like a uh, back pocket monsters. Is what I keep them. It's, it's so strange.
1: Yeah. It's, I, I think it's particularly funny because the world that the, um, publisher of hole.io lives in Uh, they're called voodoo they don't exist on twitter at all they exist in the realm of facebook and instagram which is interesting because there has very little crossover with like indie game makers and the indie game audience they're mostly on twitter so it's funny that it took so long for me to even find out about it like it had to be through an Instagram ad because I think That's so strange. I think the kind of more global game consumer probably would see an Instagram ad over like a Twitter GIF. Yeah, so it's like kind of interesting to see it bleed from this. Well, it revealed a much like bigger market that I think only plays free to play games. So it's not like I was really competing on that grounds, but it was really interesting to see that game just blow up because of
0: all those ads. Was it? deflating in terms of you know you weren't done with the game at that point and suddenly someone's like here's yours is different end up being different but was there a moment where you're like wait do i really want to spend this next chunk of time finishing this or is donut (laughs) county already out
1: there i mean luckily when it did it came out so late in the development that my my train was moving real fast and i could not jump off (laughs) (laughs) but had that happened years prior when you know things were really difficult and there are a lot of unknowns in development. I don't know what kind of effect that would have had, but it would have, it would have really significantly dented my morale. And I don't know, morale is kind of the only thing I had <laughs> going into this. Yeah, so, no, I get that. I don't know. That's
0: as, as a one man development team, I'm pretty sure morale is what you need. Like it's <laughs> kind of what pushes you forward. Did you have any order, like any
1: sort of producer, anything helping you community manager? Was this really all you? It was just me driving it. I had once I, I started working with Annapurna, um, they helped a lot in terms of like we had weekly meetings where I would be reporting to them with like, hey, I'm working on this stuff. And they would keep reminding me about stuff that was coming up and things that I need assets I needed to get trailers and stuff. So that was really, really useful. But that was only like the last year of development. Do you want that at the start of your next project? Oh, like that sort God. of like throughout talking about it? Or would that be too much? It, I think it depends on parts of the process, but I really can't see a problem with having someone else uh, feel a little bit responsible for the project, like throughout the whole thing, <laughs> just because it's so hard to kind of like keep yourself on track and motivated and remind yourself what's important about the project at every moment. I think it would just be so
0: hard to... I talked to Felix Kramer recently who does some different production work for people. And I think the concept of when you're an indie, you want to be able to spread your legs and do things the way that you do them. But then there's also, if you're, if you work from home and the computer's always just right there, (laughs) why not Friday at 8 PM just put in another four hours or why not Saturday at, you know, at 2 2 p.m. you're just like i guess i could just work for a bit i'm not i'm not doing anything until eight i might as well just you know make the hole bigger or something like that you did you mentioned that you you kept your sanity at points it's a hard thing to do during development was there a time where someone had to like pull you aside and be like you need to separate yourself a little bit from this development process
1: i think i haven't really had problems with working too hard because i kind of i think i know my limits pretty well and i i don't I tend to always go to sleep. (laughs) I don't ever, you know, like I I (laughs) don't pull any all nighters or anything. Um, But I think the real forcing factor was like, oh, okay. well, I think I needed someone to tell me that, but I didn't get it. And so what instead happened was I was just running out of money and I was like, whoa, wait a minute this whole situation doesn't actually seem to add up because I'm not done with my game and I'm running out of money and so I need to figure out like do I pause this game and work on something else for a while to make money or like what do I do and that kind of like forced me into a situation where I had to start taking the production of the game more seriously because I had kind of just pushed it off and said you know as long as I keep doing it, I'm doing as long as I keep working on the game, I'm doing the right thing. And that wasn't actually true. <laughs> <laughs> I had to, like, actually manage other parts of my life. And, uh, you know, the financial situation was a big part of that. So it was, <laughs> I wish I had it earlier. Yeah, that sounds so <laughs> stressful to me.
0: That <laughs> Just make, thinking about that makes me sweat. That's uh, indie one indie thing. Life. that I guess it is. One thing you really pulled off and I wanted to ask you about was the writing of the game. Because that could have gone extremely poorly. <laughs> it is it is hard to find this certain level of humor and sort of, I don't even know if it's millennial, it might even be younger than that, where you, you understand the certain lingo and what people will say. So how hard was it to strike the right balance between the writing where there's this cute millennial tinge it's also poking fun at digital conversations you talked before about testing with younger audiences did you need to like talk to your i don't know 15 year old nephew and be like all right i'm making this game where people have this phone you could text with people you can also just randomly send them like i think it was ducks uh mm-hmm. back and forth for, for humor and you know people have very bold bright personalities
1: how hard was it to make that work So I didn't test the dialogue with anyone. (laughs) Um, Well, then I'm even more impressed. I was, well, I I was very fortunate. Uh, My partner, Geneva, is a writer as well. She's a cartoonist um, and she helped me kind of figure out the voice for the game. And she helped me figure out, you know, the voice of a lot of characters and also just the structure of the story and stuff, because her job is to do story and she's really, really good at it. So I'm really thankful that like, not only was she able to help guide the writing in that way, but also she's extremely funny and we were both really avid Twitter users in the age of absurd <laughs> Twitter comedy. And so that like, I think we matched really well on that and we able to kind of like ma- build jokes that would make each other laugh and, uh, we knew that if we could get that done, then the story and the humor would work.
0: It's just one of the hardest things. Funny games are so rare Like there's just so few games that are genuinely funny. Usually it's like really cheesy, overly play tested and, and refined things where by the end, it's not even a joke. It's more of just like a statement <laughs> with a really bad punchline at the end and maybe indie <laughs> because you have more freedom. You're able to do that. But that would be the thing I think I would worry the most about as a as a writer being
1: like oh god do i just think this is funny or will everyone Ooh. think this is funny that's a real challenge and like i think people don't pursue it because there's for other reasons as well because i think humor doesn't translate that well to like other languages or even other like different localized cultures and so people are just like ah it's not worth it because it doesn't read necessarily and that was actually uh, one of the concerns we had in localizing the game was that it would completely make no sense to people in different languages. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think that our, um, the people who ended up localizing the game uh, into different languages like saw that as a fun challenge. And we've actually gotten a bunch of compliments on <laughs> the fact that it wasn't horrendous in Japanese and it wasn't horrendous in other languages. Is that your back of the box quote? It wasn't horrendous. It's like funny to see people just like compliment it and say, wow, I expected it to be terrible, but it was really funny.
0: Oh my God. What like a weird shade slash compliment. I've never heard one like that. Something that does translate to all languages and all different areas of the world (laughs) are gifts. Uh, and I feel Mm. like, again, indies. if you can throw out a gif that makes your game stand out, Sable is just like the biggest example in my brain of, I saw that and it was like, nothing looks like this. I need to play this immediately. And that's when I reached out, uh, to that team. Did you have a gif that went viral? Did you have a suddenly someone big retweets this moving hole that's
1: expanding and they're like, (laughs) Oh, people are going to get this. I think I came from an era slightly before that Twitter indie diff indie gif thing happened because yeah because i really didn't ever have a following based on donut county stuff i posted like i posted a handful of gifts maybe in the entire development cycle and like i did i think the things that were more effective for me probably just because this was a slightly different era was like taking it to gdc and taking it to the experimental gameplay workshop And like there were a bunch of events where I was able to present it personally and like show a video or show me playing it. And people saw videos of that. So like those were a little bit more institutionalized uh, than that. I don't know how Donut County would have read just as a GIF if I were to like put it out now and it hadn't existed. It could be good. Um, And I think like the people who are pursuing that path of like starting first with the the cool video taste of the game and like gauging people's reaction. I think that's a really smart way to pursue indie game development because it lets you know instantly if people care about your game or not. If you were making Donut County right now in this
0: age where people do post gifts, how late in
1: let's say it's another five years. Let's say
0: Donut County. I'm I'm sorry to tell you, Ben. uh, Donut County is just starting again. It's coming out in 2023. (laughs) At what point would you feel comfortable sharing a gif of it is it something that you would want to wait until like a year before you think it's ready or would it be like a year into it and you're like well let's just see what the interest is
1: i think the smartest thing i don't know if i would know this lesson but i think the smartest thing that you could do as an indie is to get that early market test like i think you know maybe if i were to start over i would And I was just making my first indie game, I would make a bunch of, you know, two week prototype games or whatever that had somewhat interesting art and I would be posting videos or GIFs of them. And then you could just literally look at the statistics on them and say like, oh, wait, this one markets itself. That one is going to explode on its own no matter what. Yeah. So like, okay, I'll just make that game. <laughs> That's great. Perfect. <laughs> because I know, because I don't have the ability to really market in a serious way as an individual. So I think just letting, I think, I mean, the best marketing you can do is pick an interesting game to make. So that, that seems like that would help the process a lot. pretty easy, right? <laughs> That's a time you know,
0: tested. Everyone knows exactly how that works. That's what game development is. Ask any publisher. They're like, no, we know what works yeah exactly
1: i wish you could i wish it was that easy but uh you know people are have found ways to kind of like reduce the risk a little bit by having something that's very like if something explodes on twitter you know there's something to it it's not a guarantee but it could help yeah and like again that that's the
0: v can you actually make this a video game i remember um snow horse had come out a, a while back and that became this like blue, like the GIF or video blew up on IGN. And that's the type of thing where it's like, okay, but that's not a game yet. Should I make that a game? It's literally <laughs> just a horse snowboarding. I don't, I could make that a game or you just would rather have this as a GIF? You never really know in community reactions, one thing, mm-hmm. but once your game finally comes out, embargo lifts, boom, you're getting dozens and dozens of, of critical reviews, which I'm guessing this is the first time you've ever made a game of this scale by yourself. And suddenly all these different writers are, slapping a number next to it and saying (laughs) here is how valuable this work was how do you use and read reviews for your own game does it end up being a lot of i already knew the quote-unquote issues or why this wouldn't get up perfect because of this or was there a lot of surprises as you're reading through all the criticism
1: i think there's usually an arc of uh reading reviews that i tend to have which is like at first I walk into it saying like, okay, well, if this isn't perfect, then they're wrong. Like, that's my immediate reaction. (laughs) And but yeah, that's just like, this is me who's just like tired and sweaty. And I'm just like, oh my God, please like give it a perfect score so that I get millions of dollars. Um, That's (laughs) like, you know, that's just the gut reaction. Um, But then it pretty quickly turns to, for me at least, just like, trying to match up what they said with what I understand about the game. And in tons of cases, it's like you said, you're just like, well, I think I knew that problem already. Like, that's not that much of a surprise to me because I had a feeling that people would think it's too short, let's say. And uh, so I, I had I definitely had that feeling where I was like, okay, well, yeah, they're right. It is pretty short for a game and it might not meet people's expectations on that front. Um, but then once I see that in every single review and I like kind of realize like how homogenous a lot of the opinions are on it, then I'm just like, well, duh, I know that now I've seen that before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's a, it's kind of like a a, a wild ride of uh, trying to figure out if I should how seriously I should take them and how much I should integrate that feedback into, you know, my process for the next time. I don't really know. um what to do for the future in terms of that. But I do know some of the mistakes I made in terms of like messaging the game. Uh, And I think that was helpful to get out of reviews, but that's probably, that would have been the healthiest thing to stop at instead of being like mad about someone saying that it was too short. (laughs) But that has
0: to be the hardest. Well, there's two hardest parts. One is because you're so close to this, any sort of criticism of the game might kind of feel like a criticism against you cuz you're like this is my thing this is my 5 years of work motherfucker please don't say anything <laughs> bad about it but also the integration of criticism into your next project because these are I'm a former critic so mm-hmm. like I I get it if developers are like what do you know like you've never made a game you can't vaccine develop and tell me well this should have been like this when you maybe i tried that and that didn't work or that didn't test mm. well with people or that just broke every other feature and i would assume that's one of the hardest things to do but spinning that positively because you did get positive reviews and people really like donut county was there one review or even one paragraph that stood out the most that you still think about because this is something that again you poured so much time into that you saw and were like oh wow i i did
1: it i i achieved the goal i set out for <laughs> I think, well, obviously I don't think the game is perfect. I think it has flaws for sure, and people have pointed them out in ways that I'm like, yeah, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Um, But I think the things that hurt, not hurt, the things that affected me the most were seeing user reviews because user reviews in some way, I mean, they might be like outliers, but a lot of the times they'll just kind of like say what a lot of people are thinking, but who wouldn't normally say it? (laughs) So, like, I think Steam is actually kind of a good place for that. Like, whether or not, you know, they might be exaggerating or they might be full of BS. But seeing, like, someone leave a review that's, like, a negative review, they're, like, can't recommend. And then the review is, hey, I really loved this game. It was awesome. But I finished it in under the review or under the, like, return window of two hours. And I don't think it was really worth my money. So... Uh, Buy it on sale. I loved it. Can't recommend it. (laughs) Yeah, that's when it's just like, wait,
0: is that really a thumbs down or is that like a thumb (laughs) diagonal? Yeah, I
1: was just like, whoa, that's like a, I mean, I don't know. I think I I was, I've been very involved in kind of like artsy prestige type games for so long. Like this kind of indie world of like, hey, we're going to make something really interesting and weird in it. You know, it might cost you because it was so expensive for us to try this experiment. But to kind of engage with like the average Steam gamer uh, totally like opened my eyes and I was like, oh, wait, I'm not selling a piece of art. I'm selling like a toaster and it has to to have these features and it has to make uh, one million pieces of toast. Otherwise, it's not worth ten dollars or whatever. And so, like, not that that's like necessarily a terrible thing, because like, that's how I don't know. That's like the temperature of a lot of uh, like consumers of PC games, because they don't have a lot of money and they might have a lot of time on their hands. So it's kind of like I'm I'm more cognizant of that type of gamer. And if I want to make games for them in the future, I think I'll be way more aware of like time for money, uh, like value that they get out of the game
0: and that's one of has to be one of the most difficult things to grapple with because i think a lot of do a lot of people do see video games as hd TVs or toasters <laughs> and what can i get value wise out of this and games were reviewed that way mm. for a long time it's like all right fun factor or sound and we're going to it's going to be a math equation and if the game is 4 hours it's going to get long there's no replayability so it's not a good game <laughs> and it, they suck and now it's a lower score <laughs> And then reviews kind of swung more toward the artsy side that you talked about, where we're talking about what did this game achieve, what did it make me feel, what was it going for that was different, what was the value there. But then there's still the Steam review side, which a lot of the Steam user reviews. You're totally right. In if you ever hang out with, if you ever babysit and you're hanging out with younger kids, they'll just say shit that no one else is like. Everyone's thinking, but they just like I'm not comfortable <laughs> saying. Like if you're hanging out with a kid, they'll just be like man, you sure are fat. You're like, oh, man, (laughs) that's not what I expected. And that hurt. And I wasn't prepared for it. And that's also kind of what steam reviews are. We're like, man, this sure is short. It's pretty rad. And I loved every second of it. But I wish it was twice the seconds. Like, there's a lot of stuff like that that gets out. And here's the let me make you feel better. I was super happy with the length of Donut County. And oh, here's I why. <laughs> uh, one, I thought it was just the right amount of time where it doesn't overstay its welcome. You might want a little bit more, but that's kind of the the, the value of something like that. Where you're like, man, it'd be cool if there was more, but I kind of like that it didn't you know, overstay its welcome. I, The older you get, the more you make games, the busier your schedule becomes. And the more you just don't have time to play 80-hour things. Mm-hmm. Like I played through The Witcher 3 and the thought of playing like The Witcher 4 terrifies me now. Just because <laughs> I don't have that level of time without becoming a full-time hermit which if, if i have to i have to but i prefer to avoid that mm-hmm. donut county is the perfect like oh i'm gonna get back from work play you know this in one two three settings and suddenly you're like that was cool i'm happy i played that and then you you think about it you maybe you play it one more time i'm not gonna like not like jeff Bacalar's kid who's now played this game like 30 times and it's his favorite <laughs> thing but like you get out of it what you get out of it and then you could just like move on you're like oh i fondly remember that experience mm-hmm. but for you as a developer you're trying to satisfy Nineteen thousand different audiences who all have different ideas about what games
1: are right yeah because it's especially because it's spread across so many different platforms where the expectations are different because this was ios and ps4 and pc and uh yeah i actually i think it's interesting that people don't actually finish video games but they They care about how long they are which is baffling to me like (laughs) they want there
0: to be so long that they cannot find time to finish them
1: (laughs) i really think that's what they want i think they really just don't want it to end they want to walk away from it and say well i could have spent more time on that but i'm bored and that's that's like the ultimate (laughs) value value experience (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's what i hate about you know many games i have on a list where i'm like need to finish this need to finish god award need to finish the other game you know what i really value the game that i could finish in like a oh, weekend and it's just like that's that is my corner of games and that is the shit for me like moonlighter is my favorite probably my favorite game of the year and it's like mm-hmm. a great it seems deep it, it has some depth to it but you can kind of just get through it and then you're happy and you move on with life oh that's like steam reviews are wrong no, no. Steve reviews either. are wrong, games are, should be short. Get out of here. Games are too long. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the actual soapbox I'm going to stand on. Uh, last major thing I wanted to bring up, because you spent a lot of time making a whimsical, fun, colorful, bright game, but you've also had your name attached to more artsy, very serious things like the Do you... I am not asking you to say what you're making next, but let me at least put you in this headspace. Do you want to go back to something that's more serious, almost like a a gone home or a Tacoma or something like that, that has more of these strong, deep character interactions that are beyond conversations about donuts and apps and helicopters and, and, and craziness in this city. Is there part of you that's like, okay, this is out of my system and now I need to make, I don't know, a fucking
1: horror game. <laughs> well, I don't know what I'm going to do next, but I feel and urge very strongly whenever I do accomplish something that I set out to do that. I want to go ahead and do the complete opposite of that thing. Yeah. I always want to explore the other end of the spectrum when I feel like I'm satisfied in terms of like, yeah, I have I really fully executed on making a game that is kind hearted <laughs> and is fun and funny <laughs> and it doesn't have like a darkness underneath it. Um, it doesn't have like a deep depression that it's hiding behind it. I've just really set out to make something fun and something that was like very good natured. And now that I've done it, I'm like, okay, let's plumb the depths. Let's do this. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Oh my, I'm so excited to see this, like the dark Ben Esposito game. (laughs) That's just the most violent, awful thing. I'm really into this. idea. That's really
1: funny. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I think, I just can't help but make something that's funny and like not necessarily 100% self-serious. But it does, it's kind of, it seems like an interesting challenge to swing it the other way. So we'll see. I don't know. I'm actually okay.
0: Make like amnesia, but with humor in it. I think that's the next goal or some sort of crazy horror thing, like slender man, but slender man's kind of a jokester. (laughs) So like right before he kills you, he really just like hits you with a great one liner (laughs) and then you're done. I think that's actually the best way to handle this. Again, no one steal these ideas. These all stay on the podcast. (laughs) This is the only thing I actually patent. Uh, I know you don't know what you're making next, but just for you personally, I mean, what are your plans for the next couple months now that you're done with this thing and where can people find you on social media?
1: Well, my plans right now are, um, fixing bugs for donut county Uh, we're adding another language potentially more i'm not sure yet um and we're definitely interested in other platforms so we'll see how that shakes out for the game and then i'm going to try to rest as much as possible and uh in the meantime you can follow me on twitter which is where i'm most active that's at torah horse t-o-r-a-h horse one word and then My website's torahorse.com which has all my previous work on it if you're interested in checking that out and my contact information as well all
0: right perfect ben thanks so much for doing this and uh, congratulations on releasing donut county and getting the reaction the response it did again it has to feel so strange for that to be out in the world now after just being so close to it for so long but it was just one of those put a smile on your face games as soon as I turned it on hearing uh, Jeff talk about his son being just obsessed <laughs> with this and this being his first real game experiences it was an eye-opener for me for someone who doesn't have kids but really it changed how what I wanted to talk to you about today because it's just a side of this I never thought of and that accessibility is important it's cool and i cannot wait to play your high class (laughs) high humor (laughs) horror game that comes out in like 2020 (laughs) well i really appreciate that and uh, thanks again for having me on here yeah absolutely thanks everyone for listening hopefully tune back in for the next episode of the 1099